573. Morning. I want to welcome you all out of the services today. It is really good to, to see everybody here face to face and live and in person. I hope we get to continue meeting as such for uh, as, as long as we can. It is my regular prayer now that we get to continue meeting in person and we can get back to the, the normal swing of things. Um, I wanted to thank Todd for bringing us that scripture today. That is one of my favorite verses of all time. It really is the, the, about reminding us that God is love. For a pragmatic reason, it's one of my favorites because you can read it at weddings, funerals, when you get good news, bad news. God is love. It's a pretty universal message, but I also just like it. It's, I, I, think, I think we always need reminding of, uh, of God's love. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, the idea of New Year's resolutions. We kind of talked about the concept of uh, changing, and you know, sometimes we wait to change for the new year because we, we have all this buildup, and then we don't really follow through with it. Um, and we talked about uh, how the things in the world around us are not just going to change. We, we've gotta, we have got to be the instigator of that change, and we've got to not bring the same bad patterns and habits if we want to improve our, uh, our relationships and our walk with God. And uh, I, I don't know if I mentioned this last week, um, but I understand that I don't necessarily know personally where each of you are in your spiritual journey, but I do want to challenge you over the next few weeks and as we go forward into the new year, wherever you are, I, I want to challenge you, I want to encourage you, I want to push you to to be a little bit better than you were last year, a little bit better than you were even last week, uh, as we get going forward and we start talking more about uh, change, and not, not just change, but specifically this idea of transformation, which is where we have the picture that I'll get to in a moment. But uh, just, I just want to challenge you guys to either, you know, wh- wherever it is you are at in your spiritual journey, whether you've just started and whether you're uncertain or whether you're a very mature Christian in your faith and you feel very solidified in that, I just want to kind of challenge you to be, to be more devoted in fellowship or to be more regular in your prayer and Bible reading and to truthfully be more open uh, to what we can do for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, but as I said, I want, to, I want to continue exploring this idea of change and not just change, but specifically uh, transformation because uh, our, our scripture reading that I'm going to be kind of focused on today is going to be in Romans 12. So if you have your Bibles, you can start turning there. Um, but Romans 12, verse 2, talks specifically about transformation. There is some change that's just, there is some change that's just change, but then there are some changes that are truly a transformation. There's a difference between just changing and actually being transformed. And uh, when I went to look up transformation, uh, this was actually the first result on the pictures that I found. I don't know, it's from some digital business journal, which is, it looks all funny. I don't, don't ask me to explain the article that was attached to it. But uh, I saw this, and at least for me personally, uh, the whole caterpillar butterfly thing always takes me back to grade school. It always takes me about first learning about insects and bugs and stuff. And I was, I was always amazed that this little caterpillar spins this little cocoon thing, just kind of sits there, hangs out. And then out pops this butterfly. It's crawling all over the ground and now it can fly. That, that just always fascinated me. And it's easy to see why that shows up 
when we talk about the idea of transformation, because that is not just a change. That is something that looks different. It acts different. It probably even thinks and behaves differently. And it's been transformed. So it's with this sort of a, this image, this backdrop, that I want to read our scripture from Romans here today. And so as I said, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. And uh, I'm going to start reading in verse 1. But our, our focus is going to be on, on verse 2. <clears throat> I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I think this is one of those verses that we've probably heard before. Uh, but, but if you're anything like me, it, it's kind of it's dense. There's a lot going on there, and so sometimes you don't really think about it. So today I, I kind of want to break it down. I want to dig down into it, and, and I want to really look at what this actually means, how it can apply to our lives, because it's buried in this one verse is really at least three, if not more, different commandments for our lives. Um, j- just right there in verse 2. The first one is do not be conformed to this world. Um, conform, at least for me, like I said, is, is another one of those words that's a little unusual. So I had to look that one up too. Uh, the definition of conform is to comply with rules, standards, or laws. To behave according to socially acceptable customs or practices. As in the pressure to conform. To be similar in form, type, and agreement. There are ways the world expects us to behave, isn't there? There there is definitely social pressure and social conventions that people expect and want us to to fit into, to conform to. Um, And really, I think it's in our instincts. We we like when things kind of all go together, when they're all the same, when they sort of act the way we expect them to. if you don't believe me, next time you want to go somewhere after lunch and you're in the car going to lunch after church and everyone in the car wants to go to Mexican food, just say no. Don't give any reason. Just, no, I don't want... We like it. We like it when people kind of all get along and, and conform, when everyone's kind of on the same page. But Paul says, do not be conformed. And in fact, another thing here, he doesn't just say not to be conformed. He says, do not be conformed to this world. The emphasis there that there is the world and there's us and we are not of this world. Uh, in John 17, when he was in the garden, Jesus was praying for his disciples. And he says that they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. In fact, I think in uh, John 17, he goes so far as to say that the world hated them because they were not of it. A... Uh, a few weeks ago, when we were not meeting in person, I, I, I had a whole, gave a little miniature lesson on uh, this world is not our home that sort of explored that a bit further. But the point Paul here is simply trying to make is that we do not need to be like the world because we are not from this world. I think a lot of churches and congregations these days are concerned and can get caught up in uh, maybe just trying to appeal to people too much or trying to get the wrong kind of attention. And so they start looking at ways they can be more like the rest of the world just to kind of draw people in. And I think as Christians, we need to have the faith and we need to have the boldness more often 
to just say, I'm not going to be like the rest of the world. And be okay with that. Rather than kind to constantly excuse our behavior and sort of conform to the way the world wants us to be, I think we can sometimes, with, with boldness, we need to be able to stand and just defend our faith and say, I'm okay with not acting that way. I'm okay with not dressing that way or, or engaging in certain activities or going to certain places or spending my time with certain people. I think we need to be comfortable saying, I'm not going to conform. The second commandment Paul has uh, here in verse 2, and in my opinion, it's, it's even harder than the first because he's, he goes on to say that it's, it's not simply enough just to not be like the world, but he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And this is where, for me, I think we're starting to get into the sort of the dense, thick part of the verse that if you've heard it a few times, it's easy to sort of nod your head and go along with it and not really think about it because it's a little hard to figure out what's going on. Um, and like I said, um, for me, at least I had, to, I had to chew this one over a little bit because I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever heard someone tell me I need to renew my mind. I've been told to change my mind, to make up my mind, to empty my mind, to, to sharpen your mind. But I, I've, just, I've never had someone tell me to renew my mind outside of the context here. So I had to kind of... It's hard to maybe sometimes understand what Paul is trying to tell us. But thankfully, uh, Paul really likes this phrase or this concept because he uses it elsewhere. So uh, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. And I, and I want to quickly look at another context in which Paul uses sort of this similar expression. And he elaborates on it a little bit more. And I, I want to see what this passage from Ephesians can, can show us about renewing our minds. And we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, and I want to begin reading in verse 19. <clears throat> Again, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 19. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul talks about there's, there was an old self, but the new self needs to be different. You need to be transformed, and in order to be transformed, it has to start with your mind. I think it's interesting when he, he starts off uh, that sort of section there about having been given up to sensuality, greedy to practice any kind of impurity. Have you ever known somebody like that? That just can't wait to do anything that's terrible for them? That, that, that is bad for them? That is wrong for them to do? That they can't... Anything they're not supposed to do, they cannot wait to do? I mean, to be... I, I think if we're being honest, a, a child... A child is like that. As soon as you tell them not to do something, that's the first thing they want to do. I've always figured if you have some old food in your house that you ever want to get rid of, you just put it in a bowl and set it in front of any kid in your neighborhood and you tell them, don't touch that till I get back. You will not be around the corner and that food will be gone. It's childlike. When someone tells us to do something, we want to not do it. He says they were greedy to practice any kind of impurity. And I think sometimes... 
I mean, I know even myself, I have an instinct sometimes when, as I said, as children do, I sometimes have this instinct. If I go into a lobby or an office building somewhere and there's a sign that says, do not go beyond this door, my first thought is, well, what's going on behind that door? I want to know. So I've got to kind of squash that down. But that's, and truthfully, sometimes we can have that instinct. So we have to sort of squash that and push that down. Because as Paul says, it is, that is a manner of behavior that should belong to our old self. It's one thing when it's simply a door that says no authorized personnel. But Paul says specifically here, they were greedy to practice any kind of impurity and to become callous and given themselves up to sensuality. He says it's okay that you used to be that way. But to be transformed, you have to put off your old self. Acknowledge that the way you used to be was corrupt and deceitful and put on a new self. Acknowledge that your old self resembles the world and that your new self, he goes on to say, must resemble God. To be created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. He says that is no longer who we are in Christ. It is fine that we used to be that way. But once we are in Christ, we need to be putting on a new self. We need to be not just changed, but transformed. And that's where our, our image that I put up there for today comes in. Because as I said, that any sort of transformation starts in your mind. It has to start with your mind. So when we talk about renewing your mind, in order to be really transformed, you've got to change the way you think. Because the way we act, the way we live, the choices we make, and the things we say all stem from our minds. They, all the thoughts and words that we have, all our actions first originate up here. And so if you're just changing outwardly, but you have not taken the time to renew your mind, as Paul tells us in Romans 12, you're not going to really change. In the same way that a caterpillar is not jumping off of branches and trying to fly around, once it's become a butterfly... You don't see it inching along the ground like it's got eight legs or something. When it, it begins to act differently, it looks differently. It is, it is clearly and distinctly a new self. And I think that's the same sort of thing that Paul is talking about, both here in Romans and in Ephesians. Our new self should not resemble our old self in any way. And that starts with the renewal of our minds. So if I'm going to turn back to Romans and we're going to look at the last, the last little section that he has for us here. <clears throat> He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul says that it is the will of God in our lives that should be good and acceptable and perfect. And truthfully, we, we haven't even gotten to the, the testing and discerning, but there's some of us that would have a problem with that right there. That the, that the God's will should be good and acceptable to our lives. I don't think we always view the will of God as acceptable. And I, I include myself in that when I say we, because I think sometimes it is hard to accept the will of God. It's not always easy. Um, I, mean, I mean, sure, it's, sometimes it's easy to accept the will of God. I mean, we're all, we're all here, right? It's easy to accept the will of God when you're sitting in the pew on Sunday morning. But I think the truth is, Accepting the will of God in your life is in the rest of the week too. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 tells us to, to give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus 
1 Peter 2.15 says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Or again, 1 Peter 4.19 Let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to the faithful Creator while doing good. And the truth is I could go on and on reading verses that talk about what God's will for our lives, but I, I read those because the fact of the matter is doing the will of God is not always easy. In fact, is that very last one that I read in First Peter says some will suffer according to the will of God. And I think that's hard for us to wrap our brain around sometimes because truthfully, when we, when we talk about the will of God being hard in our lives, it's, it is rarely suffering. I mean... I, I, I can't remember the last time I was physically you know, or, or mentally persecuted for wanting to do the will of God. So I think when we talk about the will of God being hard, what we really mean is doing the will of God is just plain inconvenient sometimes. It's true. It's uncomfortable to talk about, but it is. It's, it's difficult to make time to read the Bible outside of Sunday, outside of Wednesday. It's rough sometimes for parents to always, always be a spiritual example to their children. Going the extra mile, turning the other cheek, loving our enemies, praying for those who persecute you. These are all phrases we're very familiar with that are truthfully very hard sometimes. But I think of uh, Muhammad Ali, in case you don't know who that was. He was one of the greatest boxers of all time. And when asked one time what sort of, how, how many sit-ups and push-ups he had to do to get that core strength that he was so well known for, he said, I start counting when it starts hurting because that's when it matters. And I think similarly, it is easy to do the will of God when God's will is easy. But it is important to do the will of God when God's will is hard. Sometimes it's just inconvenient. It's going to sometimes be hard. Other things are going to get in the way. Other things are going to seem like the priority. Other things are going to seem like they are more important. But truthfully, it is the most important thing to do when it is hard. If nothing else, that is the, the message I want to give to us today from Romans 12. Is discerning and testing the will of God for our lives and understanding that God's will is what is good, what is perfect, and should be acceptable to us. If you're here today and you're uncertain about God's will for your life... Uh, I, I can't tell you what job you should do, where you should live, or who you should marry. But I can tell you who created you and who wants to give you purpose with your life. He sacrificed his son for you and he loves you very much. We worship a, a loving and amazing God. If you have any needs or any questions, we'd love to answer them. We ask that now is the time as we come forward as we stand and while we sing.